Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, the cotton crop is looking really good in Texas as harvest gets underway down in the Rio Grande Valley. USDA released some numbers last week showing a big jump this year in both harvested acreage and cotton production. That's really not a surprise, however, when you consider we were in a horrible drought this time last year and we've gotten all the rain that we have this year. We'll take a look at those numbers coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. You're never going to have everything be totally perfect. But if enough things go the right way, you can wind up with a very good year. I'm James Hunt and we'll share one Panhandle farmer's experience on Texas Ag Today. Port restrictions in China and possible impact to entry of U.S. meat products. I'm Tom Nicolotti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Corn harvest is finally getting started in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas cotton producers are expecting to have a much better year this year than they had last year, with last year's drought and hurricanes cutting cotton production drastically. Gerald Key runs the largest cotton gin in the country up in the Texas panhandle. It's Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman. He says acreage in his area is down this year, but production will be way up. We started out probably about oh, 20, 25% down from last year in plantings, and then when the cool wet came in, most of these guys, after two poor quality crops in a row, a lot of them weren't going to give it a second chance. So we lost some acres to Milo in the replant phase. There wasn't a whole lot of replanting going on in cotton. There was some, but I would say predominantly most of it went to Milo on a replant. But I still think we're looking at a considerably better year than last year, bell-wise, the way it looks today. We're in the neighborhood of twice as good. Last week, USDA estimated Texas cotton acreage at 5.5 million acres. That's up 72 percent. With production forecast at 7.1 million bales, up 55 percent from 2020. Class is in session this week at the new Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo. Jessica Domo has the story. The Texas Tech University system is celebrating another milestone this month. Just one week after they moved on to the campus in Amarillo, the inaugural class of the Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine started attending classes this week. Guy Lonergan, dean of the vet school, says this week is the culmination of years of hard work, determination, and support from people across Texas. 
So there was discussion in the 60s, the need for increased veterinary education and veterinary service in the region, particularly as livestock intensification happened in the region. And it was officially approved in November 1971. For a variety of reasons, it didn't come to fruition at that time, but it has now. The vet school's first class is comprised of 64 students, the majority of whom are from rural communities. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Two U.S. Senators are calling on Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to investigate JBS. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey and Senator Marco Rubio of Florida are asking Yellen to look into whether the Brazilian-owned JBS used proceeds from a bribery scheme to expand its U.S. operations. Last October, JBS's parent company agreed to pay a $256 million fine to the Justice Department, admitting that it had paid roughly $150 million to bribe more than 1,800 Brazilian government officials. This has been a strong season for crops in the North Texas Panhandle. James Hunt visits with one farmer in that part of the state for an update. In farming, getting rain at all is good news in and of itself. But for Justin Garrett, this season's precipitation has come in just the right way. We've probably had the most beneficial type rains this year in a long time. They've been so spread out, it's been real helpful. Garrett focuses on corn and cotton in his farming operation, which is spread out around Moore, Hansford, and Ockletree counties. And with his harvest set to begin about the third week of September, the yield outlook is promising. The corn is healthy and green all the way to the top. It's staying up with the moisture requirements. The sprinklers have been doing great this year, hardly any downtime. It's just been a lot of things all at once that are positive. The heat has been mild just a few days this year, over 100, and they weren't there very long. So, uh, you know, it's overall, it's, it's looking really good. Cotton has really fruited up well this year. Varieties have really shined. You can really tell the difference between some of them that fruit early and some that put on a lot of fruit a little bit late. Kind of curious how those are going to be yielding and grading, seeing those two differences. But overall, it looks uh, really good. Now, just like we've heard from other local producers, Garrett has had a bit of a battle with weeds. But he says insect pressure hasn't been too bad and severe weather concerns very minimal. We have only had one hail event that got into some corn. It missed our cotton completely. I think this is the first year in the entire time we've been growing cotton that we haven't had one hailed out. I mean, the season's still running, but it's been real beneficial this year. So with his crops coming along nicely and commodity prices strong, if everything keeps going well, this looks to be the kind of year that doesn't come around for farmers very often. About every 15 years, maybe. (laughs) I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. China is an important market for U.S. beef, pork, and poultry producers. But what effect is the Delta variant of COVID-19 having on our ability to move meat into that country? Tom Nicoletti takes a look. China's strict COVID-19 countermeasures have not had an immediate impact on meat demand, but have further heightened concerns about product movement and logistical challenges. Joel Haggard is U.S. Meat Export Federation's Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific. 
China is now facing what it's calling its worst outbreak since last year, a spread of the Delta variant that started from airport workers in Nanjing, which is China's eighth largest metropolitan area. While the outbreaks have caused sudden drops in travel, hotel bookings, and food service in these areas with cases, even a few, we're hearing of somewhat normal business conditions in almost all other areas. Meat Export Federation personnel on the ground in Shanghai, Beijing, and Guangzhou were reporting good food service business. And last week, MEF conducted a number of smaller-scale U.S. beef and pork merchandising training activities in Shanghai and Guangzhou and with good attendance. The U.S. MEF official notes other challenges to imported meat into China. China continues to maintain that imported meat and poultry and seafood can transmit COVID. Several municipalities have stepped up checking cold storages to make sure wholesalers are following COVID testing and disinfection rules. There have been some reports of local authorities halting the sale of imported meat, but traders think these orders are transitory. And then at the end of last week, China closed a section of its Ningbo port due to a single COVID case there. Ningbo is not a major conduit for U.S. red meat imports, but any port closure, and Ningbo is the third largest in the world, is going to add to global shipping congestion woes. The situation is still very fluid, but stepping back and looking at this Nanjing Delta outbreak in perspective, at the moment, it looks like a speed bump rather than a major obstruction. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn harvest is getting underway in Central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan reports from Waco. After an extended growing season, farmers are finally able to harvest corn and stay in the field. Up to this point, corn farmers have been starting to shell corn and then having to stop. But then they would start again and then have to stop, primarily due to high moisture in the corn. Scattered rain showers, heavy dews, and then some really high humidity have lengthened an already long growing season for Central Texas corn farmers. The current hot weather is allowing our corn to dry down like it typically would in July. And we're about three weeks later than normal for corn harvest in Central Texas this year. Yields are expected to be good. Only time will tell. Much of our grain sorghum has been harvested and yields are favorable. The replicated extension grain sorghum trials saw yields over 6,000 pounds an acre. There have been some sugarcane aphids, but most of our sugarcane aphid populations were kept in check with only one application of an insecticide. 2021 has not been a normal growing season really for any crop in Central Texas. Cotton is another one that's been affected. The cool wet start, replanting, and then a cooler than normal growing season has definitely affected our cotton. Uh, Cotton is finally getting the heat units it needs to produce a good crop. With the, the cooler weather, of course, we've had more insect pressure in cotton, but with the heat units we have now, our early planted cotton and our late planted cotton, all it is starting to look really good. Armyworms are still in our area, and we really need a stretch of a very hot, dry weather to slow down their progress. Armyworms are more prevalent in hay fields that have been cut, and then they have that regrowth. However, we are seeing armyworms in mature hay fields as well. Remember that that economic threshold for armyworm control in forage is two to three per square foot. For more information on specific products and control options, contact your local county extension office. This is Dr. Shay McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. Under $20 could earn you a -a once-in-a-lifetime hunting experience. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And performance horses are under a lot of stress, so a proper diet is very important. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. 
Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Performance horses are under a lot of stress, so it's very important that you have their diet just right. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. Horses are adapted to a plant-based, high-fiber diet. However, management practices have caused many horses to be fed reduced forage and increased grain and concentrates, which places horses at a higher risk of gastrointestinal disease, such as ulcers, recurrent colic, and inflammation of the bowel. These clinical signs can lead to weight loss, irritability, poor performance, poor appetite, and chronic diarrhea, and increased confinement in stalls, which is common for performance horses, can also increase the risk of colic. Feeding large, high-starch grain meals that exceed one pound per feeding has been shown to increase the risk of non-glandular ulcers. Feeding one pound is not much, and most horses are commonly fed more than that. I usually recommend not feeding over four to five pounds of grain per feeding, and although feeding only one pound per meal is great, it is not practical unless you have an automatic feeder in your stalls, especially if a horse needs 10 pounds of grain per day. To maintain gastrointestinal health, it is recommended to still feed at least 1.5% body weight in forage, and forage should make up at least 50% of the ration. Feeding horses long stem forage increases the saliva output, and saliva contains bicarbonate, which buffers the stomach acid in the stomach naturally. This is why it is so important for horses to graze, as they usually graze for 14 hours per day, and this entire time the stomach acid is being buffered by saliva. Contrast this to horses in a stall that are fed only twice a day, and the horse produces stomach acid 24 hours a day. Allowing your performance horse to graze and feeding less grain will decrease the number of gastrointestinal problems. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Just a few dollars could earn you a once-in-a-lifetime hunting experience. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Texas hunters now have the opportunity to win one of 10 premium hunt packages on some of the finest private ranches in prime wildlife management areas in Texas. Justin Dribblebliss, Private Lands and Public Hunting Program Coordinator for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there are 10 once-in-a-lifetime hunting opportunities in this year's big-time Texas hunts there's a little bit of everything. We have bird hunts, we have exotic hunts, we have whitetail hunts, wild hogs, alligator, and then we also have our our newest hunt, the Powderhorn Cast and Blast that includes three days of hunting for whitetails and exotics on our newest WMA, the Powderhorn Wildlife Management Area near Port O'Connor. And this also includes a guided fishing trip on Matagorda Bay. This last year was our first year for Powderhorn Cast and Blast, and they had a great experience. The hunter was able to take a really nice sandbar bull and a whitetail and then have a great fishing trip where he caught a big bull red and a jack and several other fish. 
fish. And so he and his hunting companion had a great time. And so we're excited to offer the second year of that. The Big Time Texas Hunts program is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. Tribal Bliss said over the years, the program has contributed more than $17 million to wildlife research, habitat conservation, and public hunting access. Cost is $9 per online entry. There is a $5 online administration fee, but you may buy multiple entries with the one administration fee. The deadline to enter is October 15th. Details are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw lower prices across the board in our agricultural commodities on Thursday. Fears of rising interest rates put big pressure across the board on all of our markets. We'll take a look back at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw lower markets across the board in our agricultural commodities on Thursday. Fears of rising interest rates putting pressure across the board on our markets. The Federal Reserve saying that they're intending on starting their tapering process in the fourth quarter of this year. So that spooked all of our markets and moved everything lower. The cattle complex, no exception. August live cattle dropping 62 cents at 123.40. The October down 90 cents, 128.15. December live cattle down 60, closing at 133.97. Feeder cattle finishing lower. August down 57 cents, 158.27. September feeders down 45 at 162.90. The October down 35 cents, 165.47. Cash fed cattle trade fairly light. We did see some reports coming out of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. Texas cattle feeders reporting 1,292 head sold. The price 121 to 122. That would make it a buck higher compared to last week. When we move up north, we see the higher prices. Live prices reported as high as 127. Dressed sales at 202 to 204. Boxed beef higher once again on Thursday. Choice up 98 cents at 340.06. Select up 522, 315.02. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear sheep and goats on a Thursday, that means we had a sale in San Angelo on a Tuesday. Benny Cox, how many of those woolly things did you count? And it kind of surprised me. We had 4,800 to start with yesterday morning. We ended up catching 
catching over nine hundred. Slaughter nannies from a dollar fifty to two sixteen, but mostly a dollar ninety to two dollars, which is not shabby at all. These big mature billies sell from one eighty to two thirty four. Uh, the range on those wolf lambs was two thirty eight to two ninety. Now those things that bring over two sixty or so would be, you know, any of those uh, that would have been lightweights that would have gone to the ethnic slaughter. Some of those others could have gone to the pen. The uh, slaughter lambs, light into those from two sixty to three thirty six, and real little, you know, some little old thirty five forty pounders, maybe forty two. I think real fleshy. They'd be the ones that brought up over that three thirty. The heavier weights, kind of two dollars, all the way up to two eighty four. And I can tell you, those two eighty fours might have been some ewe lambs if somebody took back to the country. I I can't remember. I can't remember just which ones would have brought over. Mm-hmm. You know, a realistic figure on those heavyweights would have been. Oh, there's a lot of them had to bring 240 before they could bring more. On the slaughter use, they bring from 85 to 128, but mostly 97 to 125. The kid goats sold in a range from 250 to 328, mostly 290 to 310. Now that's on the ones that I know went to you know the slaughter facility or went directly to, to processing uh, with some of those, and they're still selling those show kid. You know, show kids uh, the the bottom end of those out of these pens where these people raise them. We had. A few of those bring up to a size 352. Now, cattle sale, how's it going to develop? I think it's going to be, you know, we had 2,000 last week. I think we'll, I think we'll have a hard time getting, we got to get to 500 first. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny. They call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office is the same uh, area code, 653-3371, or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. I'm your host, Larry Marble. We're a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you and see you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a big drop on Thursday. October hogs down 217 to close at 86.92. The December down $1.57 at 80.55. Class 3 milk was mixed. The August contract down 16 cents at 16.03. September milk actually finished 4 cents higher, 17.17 hundredweight. A big tumble in the cotton market, triple digit losses. It's hard to believe we hit nine-year highs on the December contract earlier this week because we've been retreating ever since. Again, the fears of rising interest rates and COVID-19 all weighing heavily on the cotton market. October cotton down 205 to close at 93.47. December cotton down 207 to close at 92.76 cents. Same story on the grain markets. Lower prices for both corn and wheat. September corn down 11 and three quarters, 550 a bushel. The December corn contract down 14 and a quarter to close at 550 and three quarters. Both hard and soft wheat ending in negative territory on Thursday. September Kansas City wheat dropping eight and a quarter, 715 and a half. September Chicago wheat down nine and three quarters, 727 and a half. Rough rice closed lower. September rice down nine cents, thirteen nineteen a hundredweight. A big drop in the soybean market with November beans down thirty three and a quarter, thirteen twenty a bushel. September soybean meal down six ten to close at three fifty one fifty a ton. In the energy markets, September natural gas was up a penny, three eighty six. September crude oil down a dollar twenty nine. 6417 a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed with the Dow down 47 points, 34,913. The Nasdaq up 24 at 14,550. The S&P up 7, 4,407. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then right here on Texas Ag Today.
Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.